Tends to throw down the left side to fade. Lavisca's in the end zone. Over the shoulder catch is made by Lavisca Chenault. Touchdown! Touchdown, Colorado! How do you cover that man? Between the hashes, moving left to right, loopily. Shotgun snap. Gives the inside handoff, and that thing is blowing up that time. Oh, what a play by Landman! I mean, as soon as it was handoff, Landman was right there, and you can hear the pads popping all the way up here in the broadcast booth. Holy cow, what a play! Takes a snap, dropping the throne. He's got time. Downfield, KD Nixon backpedaling, one-handed crab outside the 20 and the 15-yard line. Oh, what a catch by KD Nixon. Second down and eight for the 16. Coletta, play action. Hit by Terrence Lang, and he's sacked inside the 10 at the 9-yard line. Terrence Lang, there's no better-looking football player. Montez Fekana turns a corner, and there he goes. 2015-10-5, touchdown! Steven Montez, holy cow, he had the fake, and he rolled out to his left, and he was so alone, it looked like he was late for school as he went trucking in. Welcome into a new Buff Stampede Radio. Adam Munster Tiger, publisher of the site here with fan correspondent Tyler Ziskin. Tyler, we're going to do a few shorter podcasts here. We're going to lead off with kind of a mailbag heavy show. Talk about some of the topics that have come up since our last show, which was right around when the regular signing period was. They have added another big addition not a 2019 recruit, but a graduate transfer. Arlington Hambright is boulder-bound. He's a massive 6'5", 308-pound offensive lineman. Started five games to begin the 2018 season at, at Oklahoma State at left tackle before he got injured. Returned, played in the Liberty Bowl. This is uh, exactly what they needed to add to this roster. Probably would like to see maybe a graduate transfer safety as well, but uh, among the top needs for them. Yeah, big-time pickup for them. And it's not like he was a guy who was sitting behind other people at Oklahoma State. He was starter for them before he got injured. So I'm sure they're pretty surprised. A little payback for, you know, giving up Israel Antoine to them earlier in the year. So for us, I mean, we needed this uh, guy with size, experience, the type of mindset you think that a coach Mel Tucker would want to see from his program. So really, really solid first uh, pick up for them in terms of grad transfers and we didn't hear anything about this and he it sounds like he was here with a lot of those guys closing up the recruiting stretch down the end of the season so they did a good job of keeping this one under wraps for sure arlington hambright it's originally from michigan played two seasons at garden city college in 2015 2016 before transferring to oklahoma state he had 14 offers as a JUCO recruit, was ranked among the nation's top 100 JUCO prospects in 2016. As a grad transfer, obviously just one year of eligibility remaining. We'll play in 2019. Mel Tucker said earlier this week, Arlington's a first-class young man. He's got really good length. He's athletic. He's got good feet. He's got good physicality in the run game, and he's accomplished in pass protection. Are we just penciling or even in pen putting him in as a starting left tackle for Colorado in 2019? Yeah, I would think so. I mean, if he doesn't end up starting, some somebody's developed pretty far along in the last year, so you'd have to feel pretty good about that too, I would say. We've done a really nice job in Michigan lately. That's a state that I hope we continue to have success in. Arlington Hambright, strong name as well. <laughs> so that's always a positive. 
We had a insider on our board mention that with Hambright coming in, likely to start at left tackle, they can move Will Sherman to yeah. a more natural right tackle position. Um, and with some uncertainty with Frank Phillips' situation, we'll get into that later in the show. But I think right now those are probably your likely bookend tackles. Yeah, and I think you start to feel pretty good about that. I mean, the in, the inside guys you have less concern with. I mean, obviously, line not coming back from injury sort of got it going by the end of the year. We'll see how that plays out. But Colby Purcell, you feel pretty good about what he's going to bring. So that line is starting to come together a little bit. Will Sherman at right tackle, I think, is a place we can feel pretty confident. If you ever listen to Buff Stampede Radio regularly, you know we are big fans of the EverPillow sold by InfiniteMoon.com. And we have a new coupon code for you. Buy two full-size pillows and get 20% off by using Colorado. Or you can still use the Go Buffs code if you want to buy one pillow, and that will get you 10% off. These amazing pillows are made here in Colorado, and they've been featured on the local news as well as Washington Post Best Pillow of 2018, fully customizable pillows for every sleep style. No chemicals, memory foams, cheap polyfoams, all natural and ridiculously comfortable. Again, go to infinitemoon.com and use Colorado for 20% off on two full-size pillows or use the code GOBUFFS for 10% off any of their products. Recently made a trip down to Arizona, and my fiance, the first words of out, of out of her mouth once we laid down was, I miss my ever pillow. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. That's so. what's up. Dude, it's great. I mean, it's it's definitely comfortable for a guy. I, I work too much probably, so being able to get sleep is important, and uh, it's nice. We were trying to escape this cold weather for a little bit. We go down to Phoenix, and they get snow. It was yeah. a high of 33 one day, a record mm-hmm. low for them. But got some good food while we're down there. Do you ever go to – you've gone that down to that trip a couple times. Yeah, I've been, I've been to the game twice. Two of my good buddies and my fiance's best friend live down there. So we okay. were, the most recent time we were there was for her wedding, actually, which was about a year and a half ago. But, yeah, we, we get down there every couple of years for sure. We love yeah, Great. Yeah, we love GQ here in Colorado. If you make it down to the Phoenix area, you got to get up – to Little Miss Barbecue. It's a got perfect rating on Yelp. It was actually recommended by Dane Barron, our moderator on the board, and that is some of the best barbecue I've ever had. Really nice. good stuff. Yeah, I've, I've actually had a couple really amazing food experiences there, too. That, that part of the country is a lot of fun. I mean, there's a lot going on. It's a great place to be, great party town, a lot to do, as long as you're not there in July. Exactly. I won't go there any time between really late april until early fall yeah Yeah. all right there are a lot of recruiting topics to touch on here lots of 2020 quarterback recruits considering the buffs arizona dual threat chubba purdy is the latest 2020 quarterback prospect to pick up an offer from jay johnson and the buff staff ethan garbers visited boulder last week tyler van dyke four-star quarterback jacoby chriswell C.J. Stroud, Jake Butterfield, the nation's number two ranked pro-style quarterback, and Shane Illingworth are some of the other quarterbacks they are after that have reciprocated some interest. Got to start with Chubba Purdy. I mean, there was a time, do you remember when uh, Munchie Legault, the quarterback, was committed, and Mr. Jones here from Littleton was the running back committed, and you were just envisioning what it'd be like for Munchie Legault to hand off to Mr. Jones for some years. and Yeah, in a big-time bowl game, the announcer's just having the most fun with that. Munchie Legault ended up being really good at Cincinnati. Yeah, I think Mr. Jones had a pretty solid career. At Not really. He, he started no, no, off no. hot and fell apart or what? He was only there for a short period of time. He transferred to CSU, and I don't think he got much really? playing time. Yeah. I don't remember that at all. Yeah. He transferred to CSU? Yep. Wow. 
he kind of fell off the map. It's too bad. Mr. Jones, great name. But Chubba Purdy, I interviewed him. He Big said time. he said that he was 38 pounds as a one-year-old. That's how he got the <laughs> <laughs> And so it just stuck with him. Obviously, he's leaned out since then. <laughs> but I, I thought that was awesome. That's awesome. Any of those quarterbacks? I mean, it's kind of hard to tell exactly who the guy yeah. is going to be. We haven't seen enough about any of them. I, I just think in order for this program to go where we want to go under Mel Tucker, he's got to get one of those big-time guys. I mean, that's seems like getting those four stars, those highly-ranked guys – how you really jumpstart a program you can start recruiting heavily at that position if you get a four-star every year one of those guys is going to pan out and you're going to have a really really good quarterback taking care of your program and that's a good way to be bowl eligible year in year out i think they take two quarterbacks honestly probably not taking one last year yeah you you would think probably one dual and one pro style we'll keep tabs on that as we go forward i released my pre-spring evaluation period colorado top 10 list Kind of a drop-off after eight, but eight really solid in-state guys that mm-hmm. have emerged so far. Number one, I had Eagle Crest offensive lineman Reese Atterbury recently took a visit to CU, but a lot of pressure for him to go out of state. He's going out to Ohio State for the third time soon. Number two, Columbine offensive tackle Andrew Gentry, who Colorado was actually in on really, really early with the former staff, and the new staff has gone after him hard. Six, eight, three, ten, huge kid. He's Mormon, BYU. Yeah, he's in there, and he's he wants taking to a take a vis- or, uh, his mission early too, right? Right, which so I, usually doesn't seem to work out well at sea. So he's almost kind of a twenty twenty two prospect right. if you think about it like I mean, that. He's ridiculously talented for sure, but I mean, missing out on a guy for two years, he's obviously not going to be able to be playing football for that time. It seems like for the most part, those type, some of those kids work out, but it's just hard, and they have other priorities, and that's fine. Um, but it's hard to stop playing football for two years and come back ready to go. He's going to be a 20 or 21 year old true or redshirt freshman mm-hmm. when he starts playing college football. Yeah. Though. So, number three, I had Mullen defensive tackle Aiden Kai Ah Na I Na. It's better than I could do. I can't even do it any faster than that. Uh, I'm yeah. not good with those Polynesians. He obviously pretty much an order Dame bound from the get go. Yeah. Um, you know, that's you could tell right away that there wasn't going to be a whole lot of other option for him there. Yeah, so he's a great player, but didn't really ever consider CU. Number four, Valor Christian offensive lineman Roger Rosengarden, CU offer. He plans to visit there. Again, another guy looks like maybe is going to be headed out of state. Number five is Colorado's first pledge for 2020, Cherry Creek offensive lineman Carson Lee. We got to get him moved up the rankings a little bit nationally. I think yeah. like a thousand players that are ranked higher on him than twenty four seven sports, which seems ridiculous because mm-hmm. this kid has a college ready body. Yeah, he's not lengthy, but he's going to be an interior guy, six three. He's got enough, you know, height. Yeah, he's he's been training like he was a pro athlete for three or four years now, and you can tell. I mean, he's you have to feel pretty good about him having an opportunity to come in and replace Kobe Purcell pretty much right away. You know, not I mean, not when Colby's still here. I'm just saying when Colby graduates, Carson Lee's probably the front runner to replace him at center. Really personable young man that wants to be a catalyst for right. Colorado's recruiting class, which you like to see. And his goal is to get these other top guys in state. I don't know. They're like we've already kind of talked about a lot of these guys looking to probably leave the state. But if he can get on that group text with out of state guys too, even as an offensive lineman, he can still have an impact there. Um, number six is Grand Junction tight end Cole Taylor, who probably could argue he should be higher on this list based off this type of offers that have been rolling in for him recently. It's, he's really blowing up. We got a question about that in our mailbag. We'll talk more about him then. 
Number seven, Fairview quarterback Aiden Atkinson committed to Northwestern. The new staff really never had a chance with him. He was already headed out of state, and a certain quarterback guru that's mentoring him is probably (laughs) not going to want him to go up to Boulder anyways. Yeah, no comments. (laughs) All right, number eight is Pomona offensive lineman Adam Karras, probably an interior guy. We don't know if Colorado is going to need a whole lot of interior guys. They've got some young interior offensive linemen in the pipeline. They've already got Carson Lee committed, so we'll see how that shakes out. We saw him at last year's individual camp and i mean he's got to get bigger i think for sure but the staff certainly liked him i mean he was a guy they were keying on so we'll have to watch his progress number nine i had vela christian defensive back chase lopez and at 10 pine creek running back david moore the second i will say i expect those last two spots probably to get moved around a little bit it always seems like there's somebody that will emerge during the spring evaluation mm-hmm. period or the summer and all of a sudden we'll blow up. So uh, there's yeah. a name out there that we don't know of. I mean, it wasn't too long ago. Cole Taylor was somebody we right. were talking and, about. And David Moore is a lot higher ranked than that 10th slot right now. It'd be interesting to see he's tiny. I mean, I was surprised to see him ranked that high when we saw him at camp. I and mean, obviously he got the spring angle pretty much right away. So we didn't get to see a ton of him. but I'll be watching him Cause I think right now, he obviously doesn't – I think just Northern Colorado offer, right? right? Yeah. Yeah, so his ranking doesn't really match his offer list. It'll be interesting to see how his recruitment shakes out. Yeah. Definitely very productive, though, there at Pine Creek. Yeah, Average 10 yards a carry. That's, mm-hmm. you know, first time every time he touches the ball. Which 2020 prospects are you high on early on? Do you have a, an early wish list yet? I mean, yeah, it's – for me, I try to look at positions more than really players specifically because we're so early in the game, it's hard to gauge who's really looking at us. And probably 90% of our commits for 2020, we haven't even heard of yet. So it's hard to really say. But I did, I wrote down a couple names. Reese Atterbury, I think, is a guy in state at a position of need, special prospect for us. Um, Roger Rosengarten, who again, seems like he might be going on a state one of those in-state linemen you would like to get another one of those guys on board if you can and you and you stay on those guys even if they commit elsewhere sure. because a jake Wrighty situation could emerge and right yeah who knows how it's going to play out i mean one of the we talked about this earlier one of those quarterbacks i don't really know which one it's going to be or which one i favor at the moment but you got to get one of those big names you've been in on early uh I talked about cole taylor it's a big-time prospect at a position where you really need some production out of. So it's an in-state guy. He obviously has a personal connection to Carson Lee, who's kind of running the recruitment from a you know a kid perspective for us. He's going to be going after him hard. They've known each other since they were little. And then just from a position standpoint, I just said, if you could find a way to get a legitimate left tackle, a legitimate nose tackle, and a legitimate corner, those cornerstones for your class – would, you'd start to feel really good about where things are going. Those are positions that you need to have NFL-type prospects in your in your wings. What about Chubba Purdy just from a, a name standpoint? Love it. Could do a lot of fun things with Chubba you, Purdy you, throwing the ball around. <laughs> the assistant coach salaries were approved recently, but not unanimously. As reported by Brian Howell, Jay Johnson will receive nearly 600 k a year over three years. Tyson Summers, 500 k a year over three years. Chris Kapilovich... Darren Cheverini, Jimmy Brumbaugh, and Ross Ells all on two-year contracts between two hundred seventy-five grand and four twenty-five. Darian Hagen, Traveris Tillman, Brian Mikulowski, and Alfred Papunu all on two-year contracts between one hundred forty-five thousand and two hundred twenty-five k per year. Our friend Jack Kroll 
and his uh, <laughs> band of bandits, Linda Shoemaker and Leslie Smith, all voted against the contracts that were presented that were for 275k or more. Linda Shoemaker now has been anti-football in all of her votes in the last two plus years. I guess on some level you could talk about somebody being ignorant that they just don't understand this, but there's been email campaigns on here. You've got Jack Kroll who works in admissions to not understand the importance of football. It's, it's really mind boggling. I think it's just simply just the times we're in. I mean, they're just going to vote against the other side because that's what we do now. There's no cooperation. There's no, let's find the actual solution. Let's talk about what we're really trying to do here. I think it's just, Oh, we're going to make some noise because we can and that's stupid, obviously. They have no chance of, you know, like those votes didn't matter. The approval of the contracts was guaranteed based on who's on, you know, who's on the board, who the regents are. So you're just, you just want to start controversy, basically. Nothing was going to get solved here. You're just trying to be a pain in the ass. And they were successful. But honestly, they're going to lose their region seats over it, probably. As much as we fight political talk on the board because it just goes down a negative path and never really nothing ever gets agreed upon or resolved with those discussions but in terms of the regent races i mean that's something we're going to be more proactive about and and uh it's not about what party you are it's right and it's not being to be pro athletics doesn't mean you have to be anti-academics no not at all i just think you have to be smart i mean understand what's going on around you yeah i don't read the region thing to me is not really a political affiliation there's no it doesn't really matter you you just have to focus on certain things i mean the way that i vote in real life compared to how i would vote for a region is probably completely different you have to care about athletics if you don't you're dumb i mean it's really as simple as that like you can you can think things about the ncaa are wrong because they are i don't think anybody would argue that but if you think hurting athletics is going to help the university you're just an idiot right and going back to Jack Kroll, he claims to be a diehard Rockies fan. What was Five Points like before Coors Field was built? Right. And you, also, would you would you have voted against Nolan Arenado's contract? Because <laughs> it question. sounds like yes, which, guess what, buddy? You're dumb. Yeah, yeah. Had an opportunity to interview both Al Papunu and Traveris Tillman a couple weeks ago. Papuno, very humble, very personable. I can see him being really, really good recruiter in the Polynesian community when given time to establish a relationship. Uh, he's got that NFL background, but he doesn't have that cockiness to him. He's very humble about what he accomplished. And I, I just see him really developing good pipelines there. Yeah. I mean, out of all the guys that we brought on staff, I was probably as excited about him as anyone, just not even knowing anything about him, just how he fits into the mix um having that polynesian connection his nfl ties where he came from you know he was he's got a lot of ties into utah which is a state that i would like to see us be more productive in um you know all those kids from utah end up going to utah or byu and a lot of those dudes make the nfl i mean there's so much there's a a ton of big bodies physical guys out down there i'd like to see a few of those coming this way Tillman got a late start on his coaching career because of his NFL career, but uh, he seems hungry, was all over the place recruiting late during the 2019 recruiting cycle in places he had never been before. Definitely seems like he's going to be a player's coach and someone that will get his players to play hard for him. Uh, you like his background as a player. Uh, it's his first year as a full-time assistant, mm-hmm. so there's some uncertainty there. 
but Mel Tucker trusts him. He uh, couldn't say more nice things about Mel Tucker and said there's no one else he'd want to be mentored under as a first-time you know cornerbacks coach at this level. Yeah, I'll say you know, there's a lot of question marks about this staff, and that's all good and fine. I mean, it's his first staff. It's not a real surprise, I don't think. But th- this group is definitely going to work for each other. There's a lot of personal connections here. Um, a lot of guys from Georgia, obviously, that know how each other work, and a few other connections here and there that you know people have known a guy or they work together in the past or whatever. There's not going to be a whole lot of a period of time where these guys are trying to figure each other out. I think they can kind of hit the ground running and get to work. They know what's expected of them and how each of these guys are going to work. The CU president search is uh, has had some progress made with it, uh, being narrowed down to 10 candidates this week. The search committee will interview those 10, then narrow it down to five and send it to the regents board. The board will then pick the finalists, and the finalists will be publicly announced at least 14 days prior to a vote on you know making the hire official. The good news for CU football fans is Heidi Ganahl is a co-chair on the search committee. She's very pro academics, but also very pro athletics. We talked about you know th- that's mm-hmm. can be done. Yeah, and I mean again, she's the, a person that doesn't have necessarily the same viewpoints as me in life, but in terms of a region position. She's exactly what you want. She's balanced. She is educated. She understands what this job entails, what academics and athletics can do for each other. And having her on the co-chair for this, you have to feel pretty good about us coming up with somebody that's going to make even probably both sides pretty happy. Well, unfortunately, the other co-chair on the search committee is Irene Griego, who would be fine with CU's football program, just not even existing. So... uh, if you're nervous about this search for CU's next president, I don't blame you. I'm not saying it will or predicting that it will, but if this goes the wrong way, it could set the athletic department back in a big way going forward. Again, I'm not, I don't hope that doesn't happen, but you got to be a little bit nervous about this whole search. I mean, yeah, if it does go poorly, I, I guess I don't, that's not the expectation I have right now. We'll see. I think that it's a pretty well-balanced committee. We'll see how it shakes out. I mean, I assume we're going to get the, info on who those five people are maybe we won't i don't know but i'd be curious to see what the candidates are because it would give you an idea of where the direction is yeah, going yeah. how how nervous you really have to be yeah bruce benson's stepping down this summer so they'll have somebody mm-hmm. in place by then one more thing to talk about before we get into the buff stampede mailbag evan worthington received an invitation to the nfl combine uh, as long as he gets past any of those concussion issues I mean, we were super high on his NFL potential after his junior season. A lot of, I think, of some of the early rust he showed last season is the fact that he didn't practice a whole lot during spring ball and camp. Yeah, he's had a ton of injuries. I think the biggest concern, obviously, is concussions. He's had quite a few that have been severe. That's The NFL is going to look at that hard. They don't have a choice but to do that now. I wish the best for him. I mean, he's talented enough to be an NFL player. There's no doubt about that. It's just a matter of is his body and his brain going to hold up? Is he going to be able to take that next step? But I hope he does. And I think, assuming his medical checks out, he'll he'll be drafted. That'd be good. Buff Stampede mailbag. Let's jump into it. Elrod asked, have you ever seen a kid from the Western Slope blow up like Cole Taylor? Also, as of now, of the top kids in Colorado, which would you predict is most likely to join Carson Lee and commit to the Buffs? You had uh, mentioned before we started rolling here mm-hmm. – uh, the last Western Slope guy that had this type of interest. Yeah, is Austin Hinder, who I think most people have probably forgotten about. He went to Cal. He, I think at the time of his commitment, he was a top 100 kid. 
it became a little more apparent as time went on that he probably wasn't a top 100 guy. We actually looked it up because we weren't sure. He finished 300th in the rankings that year. Never really made any noise at Cal. Um, I'll let you tell some further stories about his commitment if you want to. But, yeah, that was the last guy that immediately popped up to me as a guy who he, yeah. he obviously blew up. I think you said he had an Alabama offer too, right? So he definitely was on the radar for a bit there. Yeah, he, I went out to the U.S. Army All-American Bowl to cover that, and he had never taken a snap behind center before, and that's what they were running for this All-Star game. And the coach lost his mind, screamed at him, sent him over to – literally just take snaps under center for an entire practice, kind of dressed him down in front of everybody. He started to get that down a little bit, but couldn't make a dang throw all week. And it was like, huh, maybe him being on the Western slope in his case helped him out because he had some connections. I forget some family members were connected in the college ranks. I forget the whole story there, but it was clear he was not worthy. Uh, Nick Saban would have kicked him off the team two practices (laughs) in that to rag on him too much, but I guess I just did. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's just facts. I don't know. I, I would say maybe Cole Taylor is the most likely. Atterbury, probably leading out of state. Rosengarten, yeah. probably. Um, yeah, I agree that Cole Taylor would be the most likely. It, for those who don't know, Carson Lee also grew up on the Western Slope, moved out to Cherry Creek, I think, five years ago, something like that. Um, so they, they grew up together, and he's definitely going to be pushing Cole Taylor hard. It's going to be a fight, though, for sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, he obviously he has a ton of options now, so we'll see. But, yeah, I think he's probably the most likely guy. LSU, the most recent big-name program to offer him a scholarship. Black and Gold Josh asked, serious one, it's often been hypothesized that other Power 5 coaches discovered and offered kids after Mike McIntyre's staff keyed in on them. Now it seems similar with Cole Taylor. My question is, do you think we'll see more, less, or similar amounts of this with Coach Tucker? given Tucker's reputation for recruiting versus Mike McIntyre's reputation for discovering hidden gems. Let's start with that before his fun question. Well, one thing you got to say is that recruiting is a copycat sport. It's not just Colorado that offers a kid and then other schools are sniffing around because other staffs go, huh? Oh, let's take a look at this kid. It's, and they, if they're a good coaching staff, they do their own evaluation and then, you know, they would offer a scholarship potentially. Right. I mean, yeah, there's a million kids out there trying to play D1 football. So, yes, you're going to take some cues. And if somebody offers a kid you haven't heard about, you're going to go look into them. I mean, I don't think it's a hypothesis that that was the case with McIntyre, though. I mean, he that was definitely his bread and butter. He well, found- especially secondary guys. Once right. Akello and... Uh, Cheeto Bay and Tedrick and Isaiah Oliver has started having you saw when they mm-hmm. offered a DB all of a sudden that kid's recruiting blew up in most right. cases yeah and so it, there's no doubt that that's where McIntyre excelled he found guys before everyone else he saw things in kids that others did not there's no doubt about that um, will we see the same amount of that with Mel Tucker my guess would probably be not I mean we're going to recruit on a far more national scale so chances are we're going to be going after guys that have current big time offers more often than not that's just my opinion though But it definitely is happening right now you know there I've done quite a few interviews with the kid and by the time I can even get the story written up he's added other offers mm-hmm. Yeah, so we'll see if it's quite to the extent uh yeah, time will tell This is the time of the year for that too though I mean everybody's right. evaluating all these guys for the first time so there's going to be a lot of guys blowing up through the next couple months. It's crazy. It used to be this was the spring evaluation period. And now if you offer a kid during the spring evaluation period, in a lot of cases, you're too late. It's just crazy how accelerated this whole process Mm -hmm. has become. 
golf pro buff asked any update on the Hold friend on, you forgot his fun question oh his fun question yeah what coaches if any have more swag than mel tucker it's a tough one because we haven't i mean we have to be here for a couple of years to really earn that title probably but i mean ed Orgeron would certainly be up there that dude's a wild one yeah, i mean yeah. if you've ever met him in real life it's crazy swag though it's not yeah uh, <laughs> it's different chill type. you know cool type guy you have a lot of coaches with cachet like a nick saban walks into a room and it's like right but that's different than yes yeah not a lot of dudes wearing jordan ones in the and then you got head like, coaching ranks then you have like the Dabo sweeney who's got like a lot of personality but mm-hmm. i wouldn't call that swag no, he's a, he's a nerd like yeah, well, yeah i wouldn't call it swag but he definitely is a stud there's no doubt about that yeah i don't know there's there's no one that really stands out as an obvious choice above him but i guess we'll see all right golf pro buff asked any update on the frank phillips situation Oh, I think we talked about this on the last mailbag. It's status quo. He's still enrolled at CU. It uh, doesn't sound like he's working out with the football team. There's been rumors that he plans to transfer. There's people around the program that think he's going to stay. So uh, we'll see. If he's not out there during spring ball, I think you set your expectations as a CU fan that he won't be back. I don't, do you think Mel Tucker would even stand for that i mean if he chooses not to practice i think he's gonna be like bye yeah that's gonna be tough there aren't a lot of guys that could get away with that on the roster philip might be one just because he's got nfl potential and yeah you bring in a grad transfer to play left tackle this year but he's only got one year eligibility frank philip you know at the very least could be a starter for two years i don't know though you that's not that's not the mindset you want to set as a new coaching staff i mean if i was him if you don't want to practice you can get off yeah. the team. I mean, I, I don't think you don't want to be able to set that precedent that, oh, you're unhappy. You're just going to sit out until we fix it for you. Yeah, that's a fair point. BB Buff 23 asked, how will Coach Cap be able to evaluate the offensive line this spring with only two meaningful developed defensive linemen, Mustafa Johnson and Terrence Lang, participating? For what it's worth, I've heard that Jeremiah Doss may be bigger than 260. Doss told me he measured in at 6'4", 260 on his official, so I guess we'll see this spring. Yeah, I mean, we'll find out pretty quick what these guys look like once we see him at a practice. So does Coach Cap have to only evaluate up against those two defensive linemen? I mean, I don't know. We recruited these kids because we think they're going to be able to play at this level. These Juco guys got a lot of beef. I mean, if you can move around some of the dudes that we brought in, you have to feel pretty good. I mean, we're going to have a bigger D-line than a majority of the conference, I would think, so... Yeah. We'll have to see. And, I mean, Jalen Sammy obviously hasn't played a ton, but he's a guy that they're pretty high on. I mean, I would think you would be able to give a pretty good gauge on what these kids look like going up against him as well. Well, O-line, it's such a technical position. You can tell how guys are picking up things on film and right. with your own eyeball out there and, and maybe put in the back of your head, okay, this is not the best – defensive line we're going to face all year but is he doing things properly and i think you kind of gauge it off that yeah and for what it's worth those are two guys that <laughs> you definitely want to put your guys up against i mean right. mustafa johnson is one of the best linemen in the conference so maybe the country yeah tkh asked please give us a detailed update on moretti is the tendon his only problem now when did he have surgery any nerve problems if he is 95 percent in june is there a chance he will be 100 percent this season or ever if and when will he be able to fully participate in lifting and conditioning sessions? Where and how, in each of your opinions, does he fit into the line for the buffs in 2019? 
How are Roddick and Ray doing? Are they able to participate fully in pre-spring activities? Has Ray gained weight? Has Roddick lost some weight? Where is Sammy on his rehab? That was a lot of questions. A lot of questions. (laughs) So one thing I can say with certainty is that Casey Roddick is participating and has done a really good job of losing some of the bad weight. Still moves really well for his size. Drew Wilson pointed him out. I didn't even bring up his name. He pointed him out when I asked him a question about guys that have made a good transformation. Uh, so that's a firm update there. A lot of this stuff, we got to wait until the spring. It's kind of hard at this point. With Moretti, all I know is they're optimistic. They were optimistic a year ago. This is something that takes a long time to come back from. Uh, he did have surgery. And, and there's not really a timetable for it. I mean, you don't. Well, they, you know. they expect him to be about 95% this summer. And then if everything goes well, I don't know. I don't think you can realistically expect somebody that has not been able to work out and practice full time to be a hundred percent. But even 90, 95% of Jake Moretti is probably going to be starting and maybe a guard. They moved him in last year inside. Yeah. I mean, if they do feel comfortable with Sherman and Hambright. Yeah. I mean, and he's healthy enough to play, they're going to move him into guard. Cause that's one position that we don't know exactly how it's going to play out yet. Chase5287 asked, now that coaching staff is complete, what are your thoughts? Interested in hearing your take on our new outside linebackers coach, Coach Mike, and if you get the sense he could potentially be a rising star in coaching. I mean, everybody's right, I think is the easiest way to describe this coaching search. Were there some situations where the guy that came out was disappointing compared to what we had heard rumors about? Yeah, for sure. Are there situations where there are guys on our staff that don't have a lot of experience? Yes, absolutely. Does that really matter two or three years from now? Maybe. We'll see. Uh, I mean, everybody started somewhere. I mean, Nick Saban had no experience at some point in his college coaching career. Mel Tucker knows a lot of people, um, obviously has a lot of connections at Georgia. And from everything we've heard, the guys that moved on from Georgia to here, people from Georgia were not happy about it. They, they liked those guys. They thought they were important to their program, and I trust that. So to me, you know, is Jay Johnson a wild card? Yeah, absolutely he is, but he also has a lot of things about him that could be really dynamic and successful. So we're going to have to let it play out. It's his first staff. I don't think it should be a surprise to anyone that he didn't hire a staff that looks like Urban Myers at Ohio State. I understand the frustration for sure, but uh, you got to let it play out and see, you know, see what happens. If you went back and broke down every coaching announcement that's happened in the last 15 years or, or however long you want to go back, you'd be surprised at how many guys the fan base was super excited about didn't end up living up to that and right. vice versa. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's even guys that we really liked on the last staff, you know, Quan Drake. Didn't have a lot of experience. He probably ended up being one of the favorite guys on the staff. So it can happen. Um, Jim Jeffco, people were excited about. Right. That didn't work out so well, you know, and other guys too. So, I mean, you know, Jim Levitt obviously did wonders here, but wasn't very long term. So how did that work out really? You know, there's arguments to be made there. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's going to be one of, is he going to hit a hundred percent or one of these guys probably going to be a frustration for their, the fan base down the line. Yeah. I mean, no staff is perfect. That's how it goes. But I think it'll probably work out better than most people are expecting. With Coach Mikulowski, I think that was one of those kind of out of left field that surprised people. 
Um, in the last couple of weeks, there's been no assistant coach that's been mentioned more to me than him. So again, right. we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I think he earned his way into that spot. I also think it's fair to say that they had bigger names in the fryer for that position that didn't work out. Uh, there's a reason that they hired him as a quality control guy first, you know? So both of, both sides of the, are correct there. I mean, I think he has a chance to be really special. Tucker loves the recruiting aspect of what he can provide. That's obviously a big part of what we're doing here. But there's no doubt that that coaching search did not go as planned. Maximus Buff asked, with spring ball on the horizon, what storyline should we be watching for aside from the new coaches, of course? What are you wondering about as we come up to the first practices with the new staff? Any thoughts on what the offense and defense will look like? Who do you think will be the biggest surprise stars of spring ball? Who's going to break out? How much will they utilize the quarterback as a runner is one thing I'm kind of curious about because we've seen with recruiting they value quarterbacks that can be mobile. Exactly how are they going to implement the tight end in the passing game? Will there be some depth at safety that starts to emerge? You need another inside linebacker next to Nate Lamon. How will Coach Cap instill you know, smart toughness on that offensive line? Not what Brett Tons did by body slamming the guy and getting a 15-yard penalty, but having right. just a, a real mean streak across that group. How, how is he going to go about doing that uh, without running off a bunch of guys? You know, Yeah, those are kind of some of the main questions that, that I had. Yeah, I want to know how aggressive we're going to be on defense. Um, I think DJ Elliott largely did a solid job here, but there's no doubt that defense didn't take a lot of chances, didn't create a lot of turnovers, while the, you know, the defense before, before him obviously had a ton of talent so that's part of it too but they created a ton of turnovers and that's why largely this program was successful you want to see that kind of return you got to be aggressive on defense I think got to be physical and we can't just talk about being physical you got to actually be physical so those are the things that really I have focused on more than anything I'm curious to see how we're going to run the ball you know if you want to be physical you got to throw the run game in there as well even though obviously you feel a lot more confident in the passing game right now um, you gotta be able to mix that up you know Georgia has had a solid passing game throughout his time there there's no doubt about that but they also have three of the best running backs in the NFL go through their program in the last five years any guys you expect to be spring standouts it's hard to say I mean I think Hassan Hippolyte is a really talented player and he's the one guy to me that I think people are going to start to see a lot more of. He's really physical. So I would assume that he's going to fit right into what Mel Tucker wants to do. He's a big body uh, he'll make some mistakes probably, but he's going to try to hurt you. I had uh, another safety on my list, Aaron Maddox. Yeah. I really liked what I saw from him mm-hmm. down the stretch. I don't know if they're going to keep him close to the line of scrimmage. or They kind of need him in the back end, don't they? Yeah, he's kind of a ball hawk type of guy. Aggressive, definitely attacking the ball. Um, seemed like he got more and more comfortable, started making more plays in the ball. He definitely improved quite a bit throughout the course of last year. There's no doubt about that. I mean, are they going to develop – some of these other D linemen. Can Tariq Roberts make a step up? Can Jalen Sammy come in and be that nose tackle that we really, really need in this program? And again, offensively, can they find some nasty? I also had John Van Deest on my list. Now, even more removed from that knee surgery. Again, they need a guy to step up an inside linebacker. Had Casey Roddick on there. We talked briefly about him earlier Mm -hmm. can he be a guy that really battles for a starting offensive guard spot because Tim Lanott is gonna have to show some things he 
doesn't own that starting spot anymore. As good as good as he was as a redshirt freshman, that that spot's open. Yeah, I mean, coming back from an Achilles is always tough, especially in the trenches like that. I mean, he's a solid, but there's you, you would like to be able to say that we can improve that long term. Uh, the other guy for me that I think needs to have a big year is Chris Miller. I think he was on my list too. Yeah, yeah. so talent wise crazy right but he hasn't really been able to stay on the field i think if you could find a way to get chris miller and delrick abrams healthy and you feel comfortable in those two that has the potential to be a really solid duo at the corner spot so i I really like to see him get there this year doug 5374 asked do you feel that coach tucker is happy that he accepted the head coaching position at cu uh without question after the uh, regular signing period press conference he had, it just briefly talking to him, he got pulled away pretty quickly. But you can tell he thought this was going to be a good opportunity, but he has more to sell as the head coach at CU than I think he thought coming into this job. Yeah, I, it's a weird question. Honestly. <laughs> like, I was reading it like, did I miss something? Like, Do we feel like he's lying to himself? I don't know. It was just weird to me. He seems pretty damn happy. Colorado's a pretty awesome place to be. Yeah, I mean, it's probably a weird cultural fit for him. I mean, he hasn't been in this part of the country in a while. But I would be excited to come out, coach football in Boulder. They haven't been as good lately, but there's a lot of history there. And, I mean, he's right. You should be able to recruit here from all over the country because regular people want to come out here every single day. You should be able to do that for football players too. Nippus13 asked, what is your favorite edition of Jordan's? Tuck keeps breaking out a new pair each recruiting weekend, and I love them. Also, pick one new starting offensive lineman that was on the team last year. Wasn't? Is that what he meant? I think he said was. I mean, if it wasn't, the guy that we talked about at the top of this show is an obvious answer. Maybe he's talking about a Casey Roddick or somebody emerging. That's the only guy I can think of because... Colby Purcell started last year. Lenat started last year. Oh, okay. Sherman started okay, last year. I see what he's saying. Okay. New starting offensive lineman. I think. Okay. I was just like, well, Colby Purcell. Cannon Ray, if that. he had a crazy recovery. Yeah, Cannon Ray is definitely a good one. Gary Kutch, maybe. Sure. Throw in there. I mean, outside of, I think Roddick is probably the most likely answer. What about the Air Jordans? So, What's your favorite? This is going to be weird because I'm a little bit of a sneaker guy. Okay. But I don't really love a ton of. The Jordan numbers, so the yearly creations. Okay. So the, the ones are the best, and I think anybody who okay. argues otherwise, I think you're crazy. Those are the best ones just in terms of classic, and I think they're the best overall look. The I really only like two others, and they're the threes and the fives. I could really go without any other style, I, that, and okay. that's true. I think that's probably not the answer people expect because obviously I'm a big shoe head guy, but the Jordans to me have never moved the needle that much for me. So you don't like... The, the sevens. The sevens are fine. They're probably in the top 10 somewhere. I think for me, I was like 16 years old when those came out. So yeah. kind of, and also the, the fours, the, I yeah. don't know. Like, so see the fours are the, the fours are the ones that everybody loves. Everybody loves yeah. the fours. I don't like the fours. Okay. So they wouldn't even be anywhere close for me. I don't know what it is. I think they, they look, they're, they're like wide. They're like marshmallow cloudy. Not my thing. Okay. Well, also, I'm a little nostalgic with the, the little air bubble window from back. Again, that was like when I was a teenager. So, you, Yeah, so those ones, well, I forget what number those are. Those are like notoriously, people hate those ones. The ones with the window in the side? Yeah. Yeah, they, they have like the worst reputation of all. See, the I Jordans. like them. Yeah. You never know. I mean, everybody likes things different. But to me, 
you know, I, I've never owned a pair other than the ones and threes and the fives because I don't think I just don't like them personally. Anon one five eight seven six six eight underscore scout. <laughs> we gotta get you a new username, my man. Sounds like one of those fake Russian hacker Twitter <laughs> handles. He asked, "What would you guys need to see in spring practices that would give you hope for a six-plus win season next year?" I think there's a lot of returning talent on this team. Health, for sure. I think is a big thing. I mean, you play Lavisca twelve games feel pretty good about winning six the, honestly though the answer is not much unless we really start to see some guys blow up his nfl potential the schedule is hard brutal and we don't obviously get to watch a lot of those other teams practice so there's not going to be a lot to me that is like okay we're winning eight or nine games because the, just the teams that we play it's hard to convince yourself that we're gonna be anywhere other than right on the cusp of making a bowl so Long term, I mean, yeah, I think there's a ton of talent on this team. If this team played last year's schedule, could be pretty legit. Yeah, well, he said, what do you have to see? We don't know how many practices are going to be open, so that could be challenging. You already know going into it that the players and coaches are all going to say the right things and positive. Mm-hmm. Are they really buying into Mel Tucker? We're, yeah. not, we're not really going to know that till the fall. I mean, that is the biggest thing. I mean, if you don't lose a ton of guys, especially talented ones like Israel Antoine, obviously, you don't want a lot of attrition in that regard, for sure. Um, If they buy into Mel Tucker and they love him and they have passion for him and they play hard for him and they transition their bodies into what he's looking for and all that comes together, they'll be pretty good. I think, honestly, if this team does go 6-6, and they're going to be good. I mean, that's going to be, you know, it sounds dumb to say, but they're going to be one of the best teams around 500 in the whole country. And I think the momentum will be there for them to continue to have big seasons moving forward because there is a lot of talent there. From a personnel standpoint, a running back emerging, uh, the offensive line gaining some grit, uh, some defense alignment and safeties, and an inside linebacker next to Nate Lamon emerging mm. from spots that you need to fill. Those, those, those would all be big for this Absolutely. program. Before we jump into basketball questions, we were asked whether some spring practices in addition to the spring game will be open. That's not been announced yet. Also was asked about other graduate transfers, not that I'm aware of at this time. Ellie Buff asked, any chance Tad Boyle replaces an assistant coach for one who can actually recruit legally? This question is worded funny because Tad definitely doesn't recruit illegally. I think what he's really trying to say is, we're not going to do this illegally, so can we find someone that can recruit a guy? And I'd love to yell at you for this question because I'm a Tad guy, but this question is 100% legit. I mean, I love Kim English. I love everything he's about. I love everything he represents. He hasn't brought anyone here. It's just a fact. We have zero kids in this class. I think last year's class is underrated. Dalen Coots has a chance to be really good. I, I think that's definitely true. Eli, Eli Parquet is a rotation guy, maybe. I don't think he's ever really going to grow into a starter. Um, Shane Gatling has been good, I think, uh, as a Juco player for us. And we'll see about Don Beck. He's another big body. Sometimes that's all you really need. So I think last year's class is a little bit underrated, but there's no doubt somebody is going to have to find me a Spencer Dinwiddie because the talent just isn't quite there with this roster right now. To the class from two years ago, really good, and they're going to carry them a long way. But there's no way that you can look at this roster and say they don't need to use that scholarship they have or get a grad transfer, one of those. they got to get another guy. 
and it's just been so quiet. I, I understand the frustration. Yeah, Mike Rowan has been on staff, I believe, the whole time with Tad Boyle, and has they do kind of a community recruiting style, and he's mm-hmm. done a good job of bringing some of these guys, help bringing them in that have gone on to the NBA. Bill Greer, it seems like more he's more kind of on the basketball side, at least from what I can tell. And, and European guys. I mean, he's going to be yeah. the guy that gets you a Dombeck and all that kind of stuff. I, I just they're they're close now. I mean, there you can see what they're missing. They need a legitimate three. They need a backup point guard who can handle the ball and run the offense, get some assists for you. And then, of course, from a big man perspective, they need to be bigger. But really, that's solved if Dallas comes back healthy. So, I mean, if they they could be one of the biggest teams in the conference next year and have one of the best guards and can I mean they have a chance to be really special next year I don't think they want to waste this opportunity to get somebody that could really push them over the top Scotch Buff asked will Boyle sign anyone in the spring or bank the extra spot for next year's class any attrition you could see happening and along those lines Ralphie's running asked will Deleon Brown be back next year Uh, in terms of signing anyone in the spring I think they're first going to look to the transfer market yeah, I mean, they haven't had a lot of success, and they seem to think it's t- difficult, but I don't think they have a choice. You know, they have to find somebody to fill those gaps if they want to truly be a special team next year. And I think, you know, Tad's rebounded nicely this year, and they're in a position to end up being in a pretty solid place for sure. But if that team next year doesn't go where it needs to go, there's going to be legitimate grumblings. For sure. And I think he knows that. So it's a little surprising to me that they haven't been more active. I think they've had a piece of attrition every offseason since Boyle's been here. Yeah. I mean, it yeah, Dell like is obviously the – I mean, if I was Tad, I'd be frustrated by that whole process. I mean, he let the team down. Yeah. Being academically ineligible is not – you can't – it's not an excuse. Especially he's an, he's an upperclassman at this point. So it's not like he's coming in as a freshman and he's not used to studying and all that stuff. That's just laziness. So if there is somebody that goes, it'll probably be him. Honestly, Stratting, I mean, he's not going to play a ton for you ever, but he's proven himself to be worthy several times this season. So I can't really see them forcing him to move on. Uh, We'll see. Yeah, they won five games in a row and then go out to Washington and get swept. Is it a 0% chance now that they get a top four seed in the Pac-12 tournament? There's No. There's still a lot of things have to – I mean, they got to beat. They got to beat Utah. That's that's the one. I mean, if they don't beat Utah at home this weekend, then they can. Everybody else is going to beat each other up. They're going to need some tiebreaker scenarios at ten and eight to get in to that spot. But honestly, if we're being realistic, the five seed is a pretty damn good place to be too, because playing Cal is not a buy, but it's damn close. So I don't think it would be that bad. And you're probably going to play a Utah or an Oregon State in the second round and we could beat both of those teams. So you would obviously you'd have to play Washington in the semis, which gets rough. Um, but I don't know if the four seed is the end all be all. Yeah. You look at it. They've got their last three games, all home games against Utah, USC and UCLA. In my personal opinion, I think the most likely scenario is they go two and one down the stretch. That's puts them at 18 and 12 overall nine and nine in pac 12 play. If that plays out that way, they finished two and one in the regular season. What grade would you give them for the regular season? Uh, D plus, probably. Really? Okay. Yeah. What was your prediction for their record? I'd have to go back and look. I think a little bit farther ahead than that. But it's also we did these. Maybe we didn't. I forget when we did the prediction official prediction. But I had them as a borderline NCAA tournament team, obviously before the schedule came out and before Dallas got hurt. 
it's just the way the middle of the season went. This team is more talented than 18 and 12. I don't think anybody could argue that. They finished strong. If, I think 2-1 and one would be a disappointment for me, honestly, because they would have finished 2-3 and three down the stretch when they had a chance to go 4-1. and one. I think that's pretty realistic. They should be favored against Utah, USC, and UCLA at home. So they, they should win all three of those, in my opinion. But who knows if they're going to. It's just, to me... Too many bad losses. Too, you know. Yes, they've had some rough. Dell being out, Neymar being out, Kinley playing through a torn labrum. They've battled through some attrition. There's no doubt about that. So I'm proud of them for that. But this team had a chance to be better than they will end up for sure. So what? Aside, you mentioned some bad losses in there. The rough stretch in the middle of the season. Some injuries. What? What's surprised you during this basketball season? If you go back to. What, the way you would look at this roster, this team, back in October? I think I was surprised by how great Lucas looked early, but also by how he's been struggling lately. I mean, it seemed like he had really turned a corner and found his confidence, and he's kind of reverted back to what those frustrations we've had about him in the first two years. Just, I mean, it's not like he's missing tough shots. I mean, he's, he's missed some wide-ass open jumpers in the last five games, like, shots that he just absolutely has to make on a consistent basis so that's been a little bit frustrating I think the lack of consistency from Deshaun Schwartz has been a little bit surprising and frustrating like he has the talent it's all in his head it's literally just a mental thing with him like he can be aggressive he can be a shooter you can just tell there are some games where he just knows he doesn't have it um outside of that with the injuries and everything nothing is really shocking to me um, except for that middle stretch where there was a period where they didn't look like they cared that they were losing games. That's I never expected to see that from this roster. And I think they've bounced back from that. And, you know, like when they hit rock bottom, they realized what was going on, and they've definitely played harder and better in the last, whatever it is, month now. But, yeah, that was the only thing that's really surprised me about this season. Appreciate everyone for the questions. Again, we have uh, a couple cool shows coming out for you. We're going to do a McIntyre era draft where we, with the pool of players that Mike McIntyre brought to Boulder, Tyler, you and I are going to draft teams and then we're going to put it to the fans. And it'll be kind of a walk down memory lane about certain guys and we can kind of reminisce a little bit about some of these guys and what they did. And then we've got another show where we're going to give our pre spring depth chart predictions kind of way too early predictions at this point but yeah. it's kind of a it's kind of a way to preview spring ball which is going to get started here pretty soon yeah so they're doing spring ball late this year seems like we're missing out on something but i love it though i mean they're not battling st patrick's day for their spring game which is one yeah. of the stupidest things i've ever seen gosh so, they were almost done last year or no they were kind point, of in the thick of it yeah i mean it could, i think the spring game was st patrick's day that's so right. that's when they were done and I think, when, what's the start date this year? It's March 18th. Okay, so yeah, after St. Patrick's Day. So that's wild. Yeah. I mean, obviously way different. They're going to be probably the last team doing spring ball throughout the whole country. Pretty close. Well, it's actually spring ball. It was definitely winter ball here <laughs> yeah. recently. Yeah. All right. Well, again, thanks for everybody that submitted questions to the mailbag. That was some good stuff. Generated some good discussion here. And definitely check out those upcoming podcasts. Thanks for tuning in.